Oh, I forgot to tell you the price of that building, what they're asking. I think they're asking 1.2 million. I think the realtor said they would probably take a million dollars. So when you think about it, a million dollars for 18 acres of property is almost unfathomable to me. That's pretty cool. Plus a house and plus a building. So it's just something to consider. I'm not sold on it, you know. You say, well, what is, Pastor, what is God telling you? You know, God's telling me we need to build a church over here. So that's what he's telling me. <laughs> did, God, did God say to buy that? No. He didn't tell me not to either. So, you know, we're just, we're just trusting the Lord for direction. Amen. How many bring up, brought a Bible this morning? Let me see it. Hold it up. Hallelujah. You know the devil gets nervous when you hold your Bible up? He even gets more nervous when you open it up. Hallelujah. <laughs> so open it up. Let's get the devil real nervous this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I want you to turn to Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3. And I'm not going to keep you a long time today. I'm just going to give you the word and we're going to be on our way. But look at Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3. Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Oh, my goodness. I like that part right there. So the qualifying factor is just simply this. All I do is trust in God. If I trust in God, then I'm like Mount Zion. And I cannot be moved. So trust is the qualifying factor. Watch the rest of this. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. You know, when we say to one another, God's got you covered, literally those who trust in the Lord, the Bible says that He surrounds you and you will not be moved. Why is that important? Because verse 3 talks about a scepter of wickedness. He says, The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Now, don't get me too happy already, because I'll run right there. I mean, you've got to read that now. What is it talking about? He said, The scepter of, right, of wickedness. You know what a scepter is? It is a symbol of authority. And he said, Those that trust in the Lord are going to be unmovable, going to be like Mount Zion, surrounded just like Jerusalem is, covered by God, and the authority of evil will not rest or lay down upon the allotment of the righteous. Ooh, that gets me excited. Because you see, it's been allotted to you and me as our promised land To walk in covenant with God. So that means if I trust in the Lord, that scepter of wickedness has no authority, has no right to begin to interfere with my covenant right with God. Now church, I want you to be encouraged today because I know every one of us are going through stuff. And you know what I just gave you? Testimony by Hans and by Todd and Naomi. And there are hundreds of those testimonies. But some of us are just engaged right now in a new battle. Some of us are in the middle of a battle. And some of us have been in it a long while. And you're wondering, God, when is this going to be over? But see, he said, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest 
on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. God said, I'm not going to allow them to defile your allotment. It's not going to profane your walk. I'm going to protect you. You know, I like that little saying about our United States flag. Some people say the, this, these colors don't run. And neither do you or I as a believer in Christ. When the enemy comes, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. We're not backing down. We're not running. We're not hightailing it out of here. You've got to be kidding. Everybody as a believer loves a good fight. You know, the only kind of fight that's good are the fight that you win. God didn't call us to fight to lose, but we fight to win. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Just follow along this morning. I encourage you to write down a few notes. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, that's the enemy's strategy, is to yoke you and me into bondage again. When we forfeit our trust in the Lord, when you and I walk away from our trust in the Lord, we must be, remain in a trusting attitude. You know, I woke up this morning and I felt it. All, all this past week I've been feeling it, that there is great faith on the earth right now. And there are people that are just grabbing hold of that faith. There is great faith to stand up and face every challenge that you and I will ever have to face. Now let me make a statement. Your and my slavery has come to an end. And it's time to seize your divine destiny. I just speak that over every family, every individual. Your slavery... Your enslavement, your bondage has come to an end. Amen. And it's time to seize your destiny. You see, one of the biggest obstacles that you and I will ever have to deal with is fear. We've got to overcome fear. Fear must be overcome if we're going to seize the opportunities that God has given because most of us, by our own human nature, we will begin to evaluate life through the sensory realm. And also, our human nature is uncomfortable with the unknown. Most of us fear the unknown. We don't know what's behind that door, so we don't want to open it up. And we don't want to walk through it. We want to keep things the way they are. I'm comfortable, even though maybe not God's plan for my life fully. But you know what? Everything's okay. I don't want to rock the boat. We tend to stay where we've been when God is trying to introduce something new to you or to me. Or the enemy will try to come into our lives and wage war against us and use fear as the primary weapon. But I've got an answer for that. I found something in the Bible that changed my life this week. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. Now I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. And the Message Bible reads it this way. When you go to war against your enemy and you see horses and chariots... Oh, wait a minute. Let's stop right there. When you go to war. Didn't say if. Oh, Jesus. Didn't say if. It says what? When. When you go to war. In other words, it's inevitable. There are going to be times in our life where we are going to have to engage an enemy. 
So when you and I go to war and see horses and chariots and soldiers far outnumbering you, so not only do we know that we're going to have to engage an enemy, you and I are going to have to engage an enemy that seems to be more formidable than we are. We're going to get involved in something that you and I can do little about and that there is no way that we can in the natural defeat. Whether it's uterine cancer or whether it's a 106-pound logging truck that smacks side into the, in, your, in your mother's car at 86 years of age. It doesn't matter what it is. A loss of business, a lot of it's loss of job, income. Whether your child, you just got a call from the police and they're in trouble. I mean, it doesn't matter what the scenario is. But it shows us that we're going to be engaged in these battles. But also, when we get involved in them, they're going to be a whole lot bigger than we are. tells us that we're not to recoil in fear of them. God, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt is with you. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Amen. Lord. When the battle's about to begin, now this is a key part. You just want you to write down. When the battle's about to begin, what do I, what's the first thing I need to do when I'm about to begin this battle against this thing that I have to engage? The first thing I've got to do is I've got to let my priest do the talking. Now watch. Here's what it says. He says, when the battle's about to begin, let let the priest come forward and speak to the troops. He'll say, attention Israel. In a few minutes you're going to do battle with your enemies. I like this. Don't waver in resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate and don't panic. God, your God, is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies, fighting to win. Now, you and I need to get that down in our heart right now. We're engaged in a battle, and I'm fighting, but I'm fighting to win. I didn't come here to lose. I'm fighting to win. That's my end. That's my right. That's where I'm going. Why? Because I trust in the Lord. And because I trust in the Lord, the scepter of evil has no authority to lay down in my allotment. God has through the cross allotted to me health. Therefore, I trust in the Lord. And when my body's not lining up, I've got to engage my enemy. And how I engage my enemy, the first thing I need to do is let my priest start talking. Now, what do I mean by that? It's your spirit. Your spirit is your priest. And your spirit, who is in in submission to lordship, will begin to speak just like we read in Deuteronomy chapter 20. It'll begin to say, don't fear, don't waver, don't tremble. Because the Lord God that you walk with is with you. And he's going to surround you like the mountains around Jerusalem. And he's going to make you steadfast, immovable. He's going to make you abound to to abound. He's going to protect you. He will not allow the scepter of evil to lay down in the land of your allotment. Because your God is going to fight with you to win. He'll begin to speak to you the priestly words that you and I need to hear. But watch this, if you are out of alignment, instead of spirit who possesses a soul who lives in a body, you become a soul who possesses a spirit who lives in a body. That's why the word says when you see 
When you see chariots and horses, when you see your enemy that's outnumbering you, when you begin through the sensory realm to be convinced that this battle is going to be really big, your soul will begin doing the talking. And your soul will speak based on information and not revelation. Only a priest can speak out of revelation. Your soul will always speak out of information. That's why you've got to quiet your soul in the midst of the battle. And let your spirit do the talking. First thing, let that priest come and begin to speak to that circumstance and speak to that situation. And here's what he said. He said that he is going to say, don't waver. In your resolve, don't fear, don't hesitate, don't panic. God, your God, is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies, fighting to win. So, you see, ladies and gentlemen, there are three actions that we have to take. Upon the hearing of the news of uterine cancer, of a horrible accident, of a layoff notice, of a child's waywardness. It doesn't really matter what the scenario is. The first thing to do is I've got to make sure that my priest begins to talk. I need to shut down my mind by allowing my spirit to do the talking. The second thing I need to do is I need to learn how to manage my soul. I need to learn how to command my fainting, my fearing, and my trembling. I've got to take captive every thought that rises up against the knowledge of Christ. See, a lot of times when we're in those panic situations, our soul takes over. And it only creates a scenario in which you and I become defeatable. Our priest needs to begin to speak, and you and I need to begin to manage our soul. That's why you got to be careful who you tell what You can't invite everybody into the intensive care room with you. I mean, I love my auntie and my uncle. I love my cousin, him and them. You know, I love them all. But you know what? Some of them just can't go with you when you're in the middle of a battle. Because you don't want them to talk out of their soul. You need somebody to talk out of their priesthood. Church people will even talk out of their soul. They'll begin to tell you about how Uncle Bob died of the very thing that you got. They'll point to the economy. They'll point to Glenn Beck. They'll point to whomever on TV to remind you how bad things are. And so you and I have to be very careful. We've got to shut down the soul. The first thing I need to do when I pray for my mother or my father or my sister, my brother, some loved one who's going through a real difficult time, say it's in the hospital, is I've got to take care of me first. Because you see, I know that God's going to take care of them. Now, one of the other things I need to do is I've got to resist religious spirits. Because a religious spirit would say, Father, if it be thy will... Would you please save my mother? But it did not be your will, Father. Would you just take her peacefully? 
Ladies and gentlemen, I, with all due respect, I'm just trying to share with us, we've got to shut down the soul. And the Spirit will always speak what we found in Deuteronomy chapter 20. It will always say, don't fear, don't waver, hold on to your resolve. Your God is fighting for you. Your God will bring you through. And then thirdly, you and I need to recognize that we are walking with God and I'm not walking with my fear. I'm walking with my God and I'm not walking with my fear. What does that mean? Matthew 28 and 20, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Because here's what fear and its companionship will begin to introduce. Are you ready? The what if scenario. What if chemotherapy doesn't work? What if they don't get it all? What if they don't make it? What if you never get another job? What if you can't keep your business running? What if your husband leaves you? It's the what if scenario that begins to be introduced at this time in the battle. And the Bible talks specifically about the what if scenario and what we're to do with it. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, same chapter, verses 5 to 8. Here's what the Bible says, reading out of the Message Bible again. Then let the officers step up and speak to the troops. Here's, it's interesting what the officers say to the troops. They say this, Is there a man here who's built a new house and hasn't yet dedicated it? Any man here who's built a new house and hasn't dedicated it? Okay, you, yeah, all right, three, four, all right. All right, good. Why does he want to know that? Well, let him go home right now lest he die in battle and another man dedicated. See, because right now, you're in this battle with me and you're not thinking about the enemy. You're thinking about what if I die in this battle and I never get to live in my house, doggone it. We've got to remove the what-if scenario, let it go home. Everybody say that with me. Let it go home. We need to send home that what-if scenario. But look, it didn't stop there. It goes to another one. It also says, if there's a man there's planted a vineyard and hasn't enjoyed the grapes, let him go home right now lest he die in battle another man enjoy the grapes. Is there a man who engaged to marry who hasn't yet taken his wife? Let him go home right now lest he die in battle and another make, man take her. Interestingly, when the scripture introduces a principle, it's powerful enough. But when the scripture emphasizes that same principle three times, it is to be underscored. It is to be acknowledged. It is to be memorized. It is to give us a sure warning that when the what-ifs begin to rise up in our mind, we've got to send them home. This isn't a matter of rolling the dice. This isn't a matter of if I pray hard enough. This isn't a matter of, well, the new technology today will save her. No, 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 no. This has nothing to do with that. It's not what if. It is I'm engaged in a battle and I know this. My spirit's going to begin to speak to the circumstance. I'm not going to allow my soul to take over. It will be in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, praying for other people in the middle of trouble is good, but you've got to learn how to manage yourself while you're in the middle of the prayer time. 
it's as equally important to keep yourself engaged properly than it is to pray for the person who needs your prayer. In 34 years of ministry, when I walk into an intensive care room or I walk into a police station in the middle of the night or whatever the situation is, and I, I'm, able to, uh, I'm able to evaluate the situation, I can immediately either walk into fear and failure or I can walk into faith and belief that they're going to win in the end. If I walk into fear and failure, my job is cut out for me. And what the tendency is when you walk into that fear and failure atmosphere is to comply with the fear and failure. Because you don't want to offend people. You don't want to make them think that they don't have any faith. But honey, let me tell you something. This is a matter of life or death. Get on in there and tell them what the truth is. Now be kind, but let them know that you need to allow your spirit to begin to speak to this situation. Because it's not God's will that your 16-year-old be on drugs. It's not, it's not God's will that you go into poverty and never be able to get a job or keep your business running. It is not your allotted land. There is a scepter of wickedness that has laid its authority into your allotment. And because you trust in the Lord, it has no right to be there. So you've got to pull out the Word of God in Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3, and say, look, I'm a, I'm a man that trusts in the Lord. I don't lean on my own understanding. Listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We trust in Jesus here. And because I do, no scepter of unrighteousness is going to lay its authority upon my covenant right. Now, when I walk into an intensive care room, even though the person is emotionally afraid, they're weak and sometimes in their battle, but out of their mouth come those kind of words. I know that I've got an opportunity to work with them and see the victory come. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to prepare you for your next battle. You say, well, I don't know if I'll ever have another one. I don't know what church you came from, but that's the wrong teaching. He didn't say if, he said when. But I'm going to be ready for it. Amen. Come on, lift your hand up and say, I'm going to be ready. With God's help, I'm going to tell every what if to go on back home. Amen. Got to tell it to go on back home. Not going to let you live here. Amen. So we see that the real key then is next in verse 10. I love this. He says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go back to verse 8. I, I'm too early. The officers will then continue, and is there a man here who's wavering and resolved and afraid? Let him go home right now so that he doesn't infect his fellows with his timidity and cowardly spirit. Did you know that fear is infectious? The what if scenarios are infectious. You don't want to catch that. I mean, you ought to be wearing one of them surgical masks. It's, it's contagious. You get around people that are fearful and timid and cowardly. Before you know it, the whole church is fearful and timid and cowardly. Here's what we do in verse 10. When you come up against a city to attack it. I like this. 
In other words, when you come up against your enemy and you say, all right, you ought not to have encroached upon my allotment of, of righteousness in the kingdom of God. But since you lowered your scepter and you have no authority to do so because I trust in the Lord, I'm about to attack you. So here's what I'm going to declare first according to the word of God. Peace to that cancer. Now why would you call out peace to something you're about to attack? Isn't that strange? And it said if it answers back to you and says, yes, peace, then everything's cool. But if it doesn't say, yes, peace, then just go up there and tear it up. So I had to ask the Holy Spirit. I said, God, why would you go up against your enemy and say, peace, and help it it call, call you back and say, peace? Because I understand something about shalom. It says nothing missing and nothing broken. In other words, you are talking to that accident. You're talking to that poverty. You're talking to that scenario. And you're declaring nothing missing, nothing broken. And if it comes back to you and says everything missing and everything broken, now we're going to have to get it on. You and I have to learn how to talk to that situation. And we proclaim peace over it. We say peace in Jesus' name. You ever hear people say that? When I was with Todd, it was a, like a six-hour surgery, and he's like a son to me, leading him to the Lord at, at, at 16 years of age and has been in the ministry ever since, dedicated all of his children. Now one of his children just had a baby, and I'll be dedicating that baby. I mean, it's a rich history for me, and I've watched him go through hell and high water, and I still see him standing, and he stood up today to give testimony of God's victory in his life. I was like a proud papa standing off to the side, and I said, oh, God, that is powerful. But you know what he said to me in that waiting room? He said, Pastor, it's the weirdest thing. He said, but I've just got such a peace that's come all over me. I said, that's not weird. That's supposed to happen. When you engage your enemy, you're supposed to declare peace. Hallelujah. You see, I believe that God wants to do new things in our life. And to do the new thing, we have to get past fear. Because most of us don't like new things. You know, it's difficult for me. It's like coming out here almost a year and a half, two years ago, whenever it was. It was new for me. And I was like uncomfortable. I was unsure. I didn't know, would I be accepted? What about received? I mean, is it something purposeful out here? You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Moving into a new neighborhood. You know, going into a, a, a location with, with people involved and you've never met them before. It's all new. Uh, embracing a new job. It's like, well, I have apprehension until you get to feel of the land. Newness tends to wear on us. And especially as you get older, we don't like new things. <laughs> older people like things the way they've been. We don't want anything changed. But let me just introduce you to the kind of God you serve. Did you know that God is always wanting to do something new? It's like, come on, God, can't you let me just hang out with this old stuff for a while? But look what the Word of God says. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. Behold, behold, God said, hey, look at this. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay, God, first of all, I don't like deserts. 
and there's no roads there and there's no water to drink. He said, come on, there's some new stuff on the other side of it, but you have to go through it to get to it. I'm going to tell you something about Todd and Naomi today. After they got that pathology report, after they went through those months of, of battling at the enemy and speaking peace to that situation, they've got a new marriage. They've got a new relationship with God. They've got a new faith that they never had before. And sometimes you go through the wilderness to get to it. But he said, if you go through it, I'll make a pathway in the wilderness and I'll give you rivers out of a rock if I have to. Let's go because I want to introduce you to something new. But God didn't stop there. Isaiah 48 and verse 6. You have heard, see all this. Will you not declare it? I've made you hear new things from this time even hidden things, and you did not know them. God is a revealer of new things. He wants us to hear things we've never heard, see things we've never seen, experience things we've never known. Eyes have not heard, seen ears have not heard, all that God has prepared for His people. That's why it's exciting serving God every day, because you just never know what curtain He's going to roll back today on you. He's a God of new things. Look at the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. You all know this one. Let's read it together. Ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Look at here. See, you cannot be an old in Jesus. I'll let you fill in the... It's new, man. It's new every day. His mercies are new every morning. I'm serving God today like I had never served Him before. I mean, this is like the first time. New, fresh. It's God, new and fresh. Look at Ephesians 4, 24. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. If I were to go to some of your homes, maybe not in this church, but if I were to go to some of the homes in the West Campus, those people... They, they have like a chair that they sit in. You know, some men have a chair. You know, I'm talking about like a lazy boy or something. And they have had that chair for so long that the wife has tried to get an update and get a new chair. But she would not, I mean, he would not allow her. So she's covered it over, put pillows on it, did everything she can because he has actually formed his body shape into that chair. And if you ever sat down in that chair, have you ever tried it? You sat down in that man's chair and you sit in and you're like, ooh, yeah, man, this is like lumpy. This is, oh, no, no, watch this. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's just so old and so comfortable, you don't want anything new. And sometimes our circumstance formulate all around us and we feel comfortable with them even though it's not God's eternal plan for our life. Because we're afraid of new. Sometimes the, the trouble I've had, the most trouble I've had as a pastor over 34 years is introducing new things to the church. When I first took our church, I don't know how many years ago that was, a long time ago, it was such a traditional, staid church, you would not have believed it. Someday I need to write a book about church in transition. I mean, it was, it was a church of, 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 of great religious tradition. It had a piano on one side and an organ on the other. And they sang three hymns every Sunday. One chorus. Service started at 11 and the church was over by 12. And if it wasn't over by 12, the ushers would stand in the back and do this. Time to stop, preacher. You're preaching too long. That was the kind of church that 
It was when we first started. I'm not exaggerating. And so as the Lord began to move and began to give us an experience of the Holy Spirit, He introduced like freedom in worship. And so I had to kind of ease them in on it. And I remember the first day that we decided to move the piano. The piano had been in that position since the church had begun. And the organ was on the other side. And I'm not talking about a B3. I'm talking about one of those, you know, you know, one of them organs. And, uh, and you know, they would sing the three hymns. And, and I thought, you know what we need to do? We need to introduce drums. We need to introduce drums in the service. So I talked to the church about it, drums. And I said, you know, a lot of churches are using them right now. And we'd sing out of the hymnals. And we had the chorus books in our little, our little things. And I wanted to put them up on transparencies and sing off the wall. And so I got criticized. I put them up there. They said, oh, I don't understand why we got to sing off the wall. This, this is terrible. What's wrong with the song books? So one Sunday, I collected all the song books. And I hid them in the back room. And the people came into church and didn't have their song books. And they're like, where are the song books? Where are the song books? We can't sing without the song books. I said, I'm going to put the words up on the wall. I don't want to sing off the wall. This is new. I want the old. I brought the drums in and I put them off to the side, way in the corner. Began to play them real soft. Didn't put any microphones on them. And people were like, hmm, I can't understand this. Then I introduced, I, a lady came in with a tambourine. Oh my God, a real tambourine. And she began to play it. And boy, there were people that were just stiff-necked about that. They could not receive the tambourine in the church. I'm not exaggerating. This is exactly what happened in this church. And then, and then one day, I got free in the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to start dancing before the Lord and praising Him, you know. I just said, you know what? I feel like dancing. I feel like praising the Lord. My wife said, sweetheart, if you do that, they're going to throw you out of the church. I said, well, you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to get thrown out. I'm going to go out happy. I'm going to go out dancing. And so here's the message I preached. I preached about Galatians 5 and 1, you know, liberty and get out of your bondage and I came out on the platform that day to introduce my sermon, Honest to God Truth. I had myself bound up like a mummy with rope. I don't know if you guys were there that day. Were you, Patty? I was bound up in rope, and I came out like this. And I, I started preaching my sermon. And I talked about worship and how people are bound up. I can't celebrate Jesus because he comes in church looking like a mummy. And I'm bouncing around. And I started taking the rope off as I was preaching. And I was getting a little more free. Ha! And I was getting a little more free. And I started kicking my leg. And started kicking my other leg. And then I started dancing up on the platform. And the church was like. And I remember I got so happy I ran off the platform. And we had curtains over these beautifully traditional religious windows. I had curtains there. And I, and I ran up and I went behind the curtain. I said, I could praise God up here and I could praise God behind the curtain. I think about 100 people left church that day. Never came back. That's some of the hardest things is to be introduced to something new because we have fear of the unknown. Ladies and gentlemen, if something scares you, Something worries you. You can't overcome it. I always ask myself this question. What's the worst thing that could ever happen to you? 
Now, that's not bad. <laughs> Die and go to heaven. That's pretty good. Yes. So really, what can man do to me? Amen. If I even get locked up in the penitentiary, am I really locked up? If I become captive to some foreign power, am I really captive? I mean, really, what can man do to me? You see, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I need to approach my life with no fear. I don't want to get comfortable with the old, especially if it's not God's idea for us and God's plan for us. So I believe the secret to overcoming fear and leaving the old and embracing the new. Are you ready for this? I found this and I, I wanted to preach the rest of this sermon. And I found one, but I had second thoughts because people said they would freak out if I did it. And I said, Lord, I like freaking people out on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I do. I like challenging us. And, and so this one teenager in our church in the West has an eight-foot boa constrictor. And I wanted to pull it out of a box, put it around my neck, and preach the rest of this sermon. How many of you ladies would have been exiting right now when I did that? How many of you guys would have been exiting right about now? So I didn't do it. But I want you to read this scripture with me in Matthew 10 and verse 16. Can you get it up on the, on the screen? Look at this. Behold, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you guys, look at this. I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. He's got a big smile on his face like, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. And you're looking at Jesus like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Don't wolves eat sheep? Why would you send me out in the midst of wolves? Why would you send me out into the midst of stuff that normally would devour me. Like uterine cancer, accidents, trouble, tribulation. I don't understand this thinking, God. I don't quite get this. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wary and wise as what? That's snakes. And I thought, you know, if Jesus said he's going to send us out into the midst of wolves and we are vulnerable to that in the natural and he said, be wary as serpent, there must be a key to this. So I began to investigate it. I did a little research on snakes. And here's what he's saying when he said, be wary. Here's, here's actually the definition out of the Greek. To be as prudent, discerning, intelligent, thoughtful and careful as snakes. So as I did a little research on snakes, I found out that when they come into something new, they don't announce their arrival. When a snake comes into new territory, it will not stand up and go, hey, y'all, I'm here. As a matter of fact, it blends into its environment. A snake, when it comes into new territory will begin to lay low. The second thing they do is they seek out a hiding place to protect themselves against predators. So when they come into something new, 
They don't expose themselves. But their first agenda is to blend into the environment. And then they look to see where their hiding place will be in the event of an attack. Jesus said, be wary as serpents when I send you out into the midst of wolves. When you're going out into a situation that's trying to contain you and put fear in you, I want you to be like a snake. When you come into something new on the other side of that battle, God's going to give you a promotion. I want you to be like a snake. And so I began to wonder about this. And then the lastly, the snake knows when to strike. He knows when to seize opportunities. And so here's some of the conclusions that I came up with. When moving into something new as a Christian, be observant and don't move too fast. This is good for relationships. If you're going to meet a young woman or a young man, don't move too fast in that relationship. Lay low. Be observant. Blend into the environment and learn to know the real them. It works in business. It works in investment. It works in everything when we're coming into something new. Secondly, know where your hiding place is when you come into something new. What do I mean by that? Seek out your spiritual shelter for you and your family should you come under attack. Sometimes when we come into something new, we get so enamored by it and so caught up in by it that when we come under spiritual attack, we don't know where to hide. We don't know where to run to the tower. We don't know how to get up under the wings of his presence. So when you're coming into something new, look for that spiritual hiding place that's in God. And then number three, know when to strike. When opportunity is presented, don't hesitate. Because that's really what the enemy wants to do is put us in fear so that when we have opportunity, we won't strike. And that snake knows that he has just moments as he lies in wait and that prey comes by that if he misses that opportunity, he has lost his meal for the day and maybe even for days. And I believe Christians, because of fear, because we haven't sought out our hiding place, because we're afraid of the new, because we don't lay low, we're not observant to what God is doing, because we resist anything that causes us to change, we've not experienced what God's provided for us. And when opportunity is presented, we miss it. We just miss it because everything is about God's timing. So I share with us today to be people who are not going to give in to fear and who are not going to be afraid of the new. You know, and I consider right now some of the transition that's going to be taking place for this ministry. When we find our ultimate place, wherever that's going to be, we know that that's going to be a new thing. And we're going to have to approach it in a different way. We're going to have to be careful not to fear of the unknown, but to realize that God is leading us as a church and to have confidence that what he is doing is of his own doing and not our own. You and I, no matter what it is, we must not fear. Whatever I'm afraid of, whatever I'm scared of, has now control over me. I just want to repeat this for a minute because I think this is so essential. If you don't remember anything of this sermon, remember this, that when you come into attack, when you come into battle, the first thing to do is let your priest do the talking. Shut your mind down. Submit your soul to your spirit. And then begin to deal with the what-if scenarios. Send them home. Send them out of the battle 
Don't let them take over and begin to dictate your pace. It has nothing to do with what if. Because the Bible says if God be for you, who can be against you? And then recognize that the new thing that God has prepared for you and me is a good thing. You know what I think is important once in a while? In the natural, we ought to do something new that's unpredictable. Because as we get older, sometimes we get boring. We become predictable. And when you're predictable, you're defeatable. Every enemy knows that. If you, if you have a predictable path, all I've got to do is wait for you. And I could overtake you. I think it's important sometimes in the natural to do something new. Maybe, you know, go out and rent a moped and, and ride around the, the park one day. Or maybe, maybe go out and swing from a high tree into the water. You haven't done that for a while. Take a class at the community college. Do something that's new to you instead of following the pathways of the old. Why? So that when God introduces something new, you are ready even in the natural to embrace it and not become so stuck in the mud that when the Holy Ghost begins to speak, you resist it. Now I have to tell you, there's been some weird revivals as of late, people doing some weird things. But you know what? There's been a lot of God things in those things too. And you know what most Christians do? They stand off and resist it. Because they're so entrenched in the old. When the Holy Ghost begins to reveal and begins to speak, we can't embrace it. Because we are so programmed to that old lazy boy chair. Why don't you go home today and throw it out? I double dog dare you. And go down to the store, whether it's Target or Kmart or wherever you're going to go, and buy yourself a new chair. You know, I love it when my wife wears something new. I don't know, there's just something about it. She comes out, she's all pretty and everything. And I say, oh, is that new? She goes, oh, this old thing. I've had this for two weeks. I said, you have. It's the first time you wore it. <laughs> but I like it. I like when she wears something new. I like when my kids do something new, do something different, when they are out of the ordinary with me. And I think they like that as well. When I am out of the ordinary, you know, I don't want my grandkids to come over the house and go, well, Papa won't do that with us. He never wants to play. He doesn't want to go swimming. He doesn't like the water. I don't want them to think that. I want them, when they come in, for me to grab hold of them with something new that shocks them. And they go, wow, this is different. I want to become unpredictable in the kingdom of God. Some of us, the devil, knows our tendencies and our patterns so well, he just has to sit back and... Smash you at the right moment. Let's change it up a little bit. And let's believe that God's Spirit can lead us into new things. Behold, I make all things new. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, this morning I'm, thank, I'm thanking you that you've given us strategies to engage the enemy. You've given us a strategy for victory. And Lord, I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that the people in this room right now are victorious people. They're fighting to win they're not fighting to lose. I pray now, God, that their spirit will begin doing the speaking and they would take control over their soul and not permit it to talk. Father, I'm asking you now, in Jesus' name, for every person in this room to embrace the new. Father, there are new things that you have planned for them. There is new hope and new vision. There is new life after today. There is new hope on the horizon. And so God, thank you. We have anticipation of that. We have, a, we have an expectation of that. 
because there's new things that you are doing, God. Father, help us not to live our life tomorrow based on the old experiences of yesterday. Help us to learn from them, but help us to apply them into the seizing of our purpose and our destiny on the earth. For this, Lord God, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Your heads are bowed. Let me ask this question. I was reading the book of Jonah early this morning in my devotional. And if you don't know the story of Jonah, most people do, even non-Christians know that. But he paid the fare. He went his, the opposite direction God told him to go. He got in a storm. It was all his fault. And, and he just made a mess out of his life until he was willing to surrender himself to God. He had to kind of throw himself overboard. And when he did, God arranged for his salvation. God arranged for his rescue. Some of us have really gotten into ourselves into a mess in life. Why? Because we've refused God's plan. We've gone our own way. We've paid the fare ourselves. We've done what we think we know is best. And now we're at the mercy of a storm. But I'm telling you today, just like Jonah, if you'll surrender yourself completely to God's will, you will see peace come to your life. If you're not born again, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered to God. I'm talking about total surrender. You could do that this morning. You can give your life to Christ and your life will never be the same. He'll make all things new. Don't you be afraid of new things. God will change your life forever. Nobody looking around you say, Pastor, you know what? That's me. I need Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Would you pray for me? With an upraised hand, just hold it there long enough so I can see it. And then you could put it right back down. I'm believing God for the victory in your life this morning and the new things to come to you right now. All over this room, you need that prayer. Just lift your hand up and I'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, let's all stand up. Here's what I like to do. I'd like you to cross the aisles and take somebody by the hand. Here's what I want us to finish today. I'd like for us to finish by praying for each other. Because you don't know what kind of battle that person is in right now. But would you begin to pray for them? That they would trust in the Lord. Come on, let's pray. That they would trust in the Lord. Come on. That they would not permit the scepter of wickedness to land in their allotment of covenant right. That their priest would begin to speak and declare to that situation. Come on, pray. Father, would you just touch him right now? Come on, would you pray right now that the what-if scenarios would go on home? That it would not plague their mind. That they would not stand to defeat. That they would not expect the worst. That the what-ifs would have to go on home. And that they would begin to speak peace to every circumstance right now. Come on. I declare peace in their life, peace in their circumstance, peace in their situation. Thank you, Lord. And we are going to be like serpents. We're going to be wise as a serpent. We're going to check out our new thing. We're going to find our shelter of spiritual hiding. We're going to seize our opportunity. God, touch them today and let them walk out of the old and into the new victorious in Jesus Christ, giving you all thanks and glory. Hallelujah. Now break those hands, lift them up to God. 
and begin to thank Him right now for the new things that He's going to give you. Oh, yes, Lord. The new things He's going to give you. I'm ready, Lord, to walk in newness of life. Nothing like it, Lord. You are the awesome God. You are the mighty God. In Jesus' name. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before we go, may I also invite you. We are having a great time on Wednesday nights. If you haven't been there yet, you've been missing some great services. I can hardly wait for Wednesday night. Then I get to do it again on Thursday night. We're finishing a series on the seven spirits of God. I'll be ministering on the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's this Wednesday, Solon and Aurora Roads, 7 o'clock. If you come in late at 7.30, it's all right. Quarter to 8, it's all right. Just come. Bring your children. We've got Royal Rangers, Missionettes, got Complete Nursery, got all of the services for youth, everything that you need. So we want you to be a part of that. That's this Wednesday night. Hey, live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Hold on one second. Okay, I don't have a microphone. We got a word here we want to share. There we go. Elder Mike. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, I was going to hold this, but the Spirit of God really prompted me to say what I, uh, he wanted me to say. Uh, we heard a word from the Lord this morning. Yeah. We, we hear it every morning. I mean, every Sunday we come here. But uh, the Lord is moving in a way that he's trying to draw his people into a closer relationship with him. Uh, Pastor Kedzen has been giving us a word that is really preparing us for battle. It's not to make us feel good. And the Lord was just sharing with me that his people are like those that are asleep and at ease and they don't want to fight a war. And he says he must prepare his people for war because the days that you're living in, you must know how to fight. And if you don't fight, then you will die. I don't know what that means. Physically, spiritually, I don't know. But the word was die. And so this, these are the days we're living in. If you think that this is easy and that things are going to be catered to us and that the economy is going to change the situation or that a man is going to change the situation that's in the White House, you're wrong. The Lord spoke and says, I've given signs and seasons for you to recognize what time you're living in. You have not recognized the signs. And he says his desire is to bless his people. He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour us out the blessings because the only help that the world is going to have is the church. And if the church is not prepared, then the help will not be there. But God is still going to move. Whether you're ready or not, the spirit of God is going to move. So don't take the word that you're receiving here these past three, four Sundays lightly because the day of battle is now. Amen. 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 We are the body of Christ. The very need, the very help that our brother and our sister need, we're right here for that. And we as men, I mean, God's dealt with me as a man to don't let your pride and your ego get into the place to where you won't come and ask someone else for that help. Amen.
He's put us in a family, in a house to where the needs can be met by the family. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're fighting to win. Have a great afternoon. God bless you. See you Wednesday night.